0: Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, hello, viewers and at-home worshipers. It's nice to see you, kind of. I am so happy to return to this space after 10 weeks of being unexpectedly absent from the pastoral staff at First Lutheran. I took some time off to facilitate distance learning for my kids and tend to matters of the household when everything in the world went topsy-turvy. I know what it feels like to be on the other side of that screen, to worship on Sunday morning in one's pajamas. There are some upsides, like knitting during worship. I have found that that is quite heavenly. But the downsides, we're all familiar with them by now. It's been hard to know what to preach on this Pentecost Sunday. I kept waiting for the Holy Spirit to show up and stir my milk, as Heather might say. But no matter how much time I spent in prayer or conversation or study, I couldn't help but see Pentecost as one more casualty of 2020. Pentecost feels like yet another celebration this year that's been altered or postponed in the face of this pandemic. We all know young people who had big graduation plans this year. We know loved ones who had set wedding dates, planned big travels, or even funerals. We know congregations with 100 year anniversaries. So many celebrations or big life events have not gone according to plan this year and I'm inclined to list Pentecost 2020 among them. I want to see you all here dressed in red. I want to hear you sing. I want to see the kids waving around red ribbons. I want to hear scriptures proclaimed in other languages, but all we've got today is English. It's the birthday of the church, right? So where's the party? And don't tell me the party is on Zoom. I've had enough of Zoom. But here's where I think we can find our good news today. Pentecost isn't a celebration we manufacture for ourselves. Pentecost isn't a feeling we achieve through our own arrangements, our own plans, our own spiritual discipline and sophistication. Pentecost is something that happens to weak disciples when we've got nothing. When we are fresh out of plans, fresh out of ideas, fresh out of inspiration and strength, and when we find ourselves utterly stuck, that's when God's Spirit shows up to create something that wasn't there before. This truth is illustrated most clearly in today's Gospel reading. Here we see the disciples three days after Jesus' death. The disciples had abandoned and denied their Lord, and they watched him be taken away to be beaten and crucified. His lifeless body had been taken down from a cross, prepared for burial, and placed in a tomb. The disciples had heard on Sunday morning that the stone had been rolled away and his body was no longer there. They heard Mary Magdalene's announcement that she had seen him, but they hadn't experienced any resurrection joy yet, only confusion— worry and chaos. These guys are trembling with fear behind locked doors, fresh out of plans, fresh out of ideas, fresh out of inspiration and strength, utterly stuck in their confusion and pain. In the evening of that day, Jesus showed up among them and said, I'm back for revenge. Just kidding. What did he show up and say? He showed up among them and said, peace, peace be with you. He showed them his hands and his side, recognizing this as truly him and recognizing that Jesus is there to give them peace. The disciples finally have their joyful moment. This is how the Holy Spirit shows up. These disciples who have nothing are given the Holy Spirit as a gift. Jesus breathes on them an action that recalls the Spirit of God active in the wind or breath of creation. Receive the Holy Spirit, he says to them. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The Holy Spirit's power appears in full here, and it seems rather ordinary at first blush. Jesus isn't filling them with fiery spirituality or the power to speak in tongues. He is not giving them miraculous powers or the ability to make brilliant speeches. He gives them the power to forgive sins. This work of Jesus can sometimes be overshadowed, but at the end of the day, every miracle that Jesus performed every great deed of power, he was really getting at this. The power of Jesus to forgive sins in God's name. That power is not ordinary. It is life-giving. Where there is forgiveness of sin, there is eternal life and salvation. His disciples go out then with this power to forgive sin in the name of God to set people free of their present bondage and by God's power deliver them to eternal life. And where forgiveness of sin is not preached, where the forgiveness of sin is withheld or obscured, Lord, have mercy this theme of being filled with the Holy Spirit when you've got nothing it appears throughout our other appointed scriptures for the day as well in the passage from acts the scene is admittedly a bit more exciting The Spirit's arrival comes with a flash of fire and enables the gathered crowd to bear witness to God's power in a multitude of languages. But here again, the Spirit comes as a gift from God. The Spirit is not something that was conjured up by human power or human organizing, The purpose of the Spirit's arrival was not to dazzle the gathered crowd, but to bear witness to the truth that Jesus is Lord. And his full presence continues with the church, even as his bodily presence does not. A few years after this event, The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a young, struggling church in Corinth, a bustling city located about 60 miles from Athens in Greece. Paul wrote this passage, which we find in 1 Corinthians 12, in order to help believers understand the significance of the Spirit's dwelling in their midst. The Spirit had gifted believers differently, just as the Spirit gifts believers in different ways today. In this church in Corinth, some were given charismatic gifts, enabling them to speak eloquently about God's love, or prophesy, or help others understand faith. Others had the power to administer miraculous healings in his name. Other believers were gifted and equipped for acts of compassionate service. These humbler gifts bring to mind the compassionate, self-giving love that Christ exemplified in his life on earth. Arguments arose in the church about which individuals were more spiritually sophisticated, which gifts proved that you had the power of the Spirit within you. Paul reminds members of this church that all manifestations of the Spirit are not a power. They are a gift. By its very nature, a gift means that you were given something. You did not earn it or achieve it yourself. Paul reminds the believers in Corinth that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Believers are blessed by the Spirit with gifts. So the church can testify to all the world that Jesus is Lord and so they can forgive sins in his name and thus deliver this powerful word of salvation. The Spirit is given to the church not for the sake of some razzle-dazzle, but for the sake of the common good. I'm going to switch gears a little bit and tell you something that a friend of mine said to me last week. I have a friend, Mary Jo... And she's in her 70s, I think. I don't know for sure. But I wanted to talk to Mary Jo about something. And so I called her and said, hey, can we get together and talk? We can chat by phone. We can meet on Zoom. Or if you're comfortable, we can mask up and maybe find a place to sit outside and talk. Mary Jo politely declined my offer to meet in person. She told me, I think I'd prefer to talk by phone now. You see, I've come to understand that at my age, I'm not vulnerable, I'm valuable. That phrase has been tumbling around in my brain for days now, I'm not vulnerable, I'm valuable. When I think about this Pentecost Sunday and what it means for us as a church, I come to understand that to God, the church is both vulnerable and valuable. Without the Holy Spirit, none of us can say that Jesus is Lord. Without the Spirit's power, we've got nothing. This feels very true to those of us who are growing weary of the church's vulnerability in the face of the current pandemic, as well as other challenges that face believers today. But just remember, when we are fresh out of plans, fresh out of ideas, fresh out of inspiration and strength, and when we find ourselves utterly stuck That's when God's Spirit shows up to create something that wasn't there before, something valuable. God's Spirit fills a church that is vulnerable and makes it valuable. I would be remiss if I didn't end this sermon with a wonderful word for you today. In the name of Jesus Christ, by the power that He has now given to the church, I say to you, your sins are forgiven. You are claimed for life, created anew, and declared valuable by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You have his spirit within you. Live the rest of your day and the rest of your life in the knowledge of this grace. Amen.